0: Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Well, good morning or afternoon, whatever time it is. It's good to be here again with you guys <clears throat> worshiping, praising the Heavenly Father. What do you think about that last song? It's a good song, isn't it? Kind of goes along with our our theme that through all of our struggles and trials in this thing we call marriage our relationship he doesn't fail us in those things as well either you know uh here a few weeks ago they brought up the idea of having a series about marriage and uh Man, that's a great idea and then they kind of put me on there, you know, is is one of the speakers. So that's a bad idea, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I, uh, my topic is love and respect. And so I feel kind of inadequate with this topic. I'm not the most uh, fragile person. Uh, I would say not the most loving person, Uh, attentive, if you will. So I'm uh, speaking to myself when I speak on this. So I want to acknowledge also my wife of my youth for 40 years, Anna, and uh, she kind of keeps herself. You may not even know she's alive because she's, we're just kind of opposites. But anyhow, regardless of that, I want to acknowledge her and for putting up with me for all these years because I, uh, I um, am not the most easy person to put up with. It seems like we're doing a little stage, stage going on here. Okay, reboot. Okay, this is going to be hard for me here now, be tethered to this pulpit, okay? And I'm not very good, you know, I use my hands a lot, so the microphone gets away from me. Anyhow, we're going to, we're going to, we'll get through it. But we live in confusing times, don't we? I've said this over, it seems like I start every message is, we live in confusing times. That's the theme. And Satan's been on a quest for thousands of years to confuse people in so many different areas of life. we got people who are confused today who who go against the laws of nature themselves. And they live a lifestyle that will never procreate or sustain itself. That right there should be a red flag right there. Just that in itself alone. And they call it an alternate lifestyle. And they portray it as being normal. We have others who suffer from some delusional way of thinking that they somehow are trapped in a body of the, of the opposite sex. That doesn't correspond to their sex. And this is going on in their mind. We have men and women who dress like the opposite sex. We have men and women who live in a heterosexual lifestyle, but they only see the opposite sex as a means to satisfy their insatiable sexual appetite. We also have millions of heterosexual couples who live their lives in a struggle trying to understand their spouse, trying to understand their roles in their marriage, And trying to get their spouse to understand their role as well. This last group is our target. This series, I think I think this is week four in the series. This last group is our target. Because it is the union ordained by the creator of this world. It's the method that Yahweh established to populate the world. To create families to function in a way that all of its members understand their role. And making this thing we call family work as smoothly as possible. The problem is, though, that many times we don't understand those roles. We've been maybe taught. Maybe we didn't come up in a a functional family. Maybe we've been in a functional family, but we was taught wrong and still in our roles. We don't understand our spouse or even how, to, how the opposite sex even thinks. We don't understand what the opposite really wants or needs most of the time. So hopefully as we continue through this, that we're all gleaning a little bit uh, of information in regards to these things. You know, in 1 Corinthians seven twenty eight, Paul says, If you marry, you haven't sinned, but you will have trouble in this life and I'm trying to spare you. (laughs) So think about that. You're going to have trouble and I'm trying to spare you. So for you who are married, you probably know what Paul's talking about here. Life in general usually has a lot of challenges. But when we get married, we just multiply those, don't we? So how do we deal with some of these things that we be tasked with in our relationships? And I will say that through this particular one, and probably most of these, these uh, messages, that this doesn't just, it's just not about spouses. This, this relates to our relationships with our fellow man as well. It also relates to our relationship to, to our brothers and sisters in the faith. You know, I heard somewhere where it says marriage is when a man and woman become one. The trouble is when they try to figure out which one. <laughs> So my main text today, it comes from Ephesians 5.33. And we're going to hang out here for a while. It says, Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. That is the title of this message, Love and Respect now we've probably read this many times haven't we this is nothing new we read this we've got a we've created an opinion about what this is saying and which is fine but I think we have to dig a little deeper to really get a full understanding of what's going on here so in the Greek the word love has about four it comes from about four different words or three or four different words in this particular instance the Greek word is agape, if I'm saying that right. I'm not real fluent in Greek. But agape means a benevolent love, serving a charitable, then a profit-making purpose. Kind of like the Salvation Army. When they go out and they, and they feed these people and all this, they're not looking for nothing in return it's a, it's a, they're not looking for a profit they know when they go out and do this that nothing's going they're not going to get a return on their investment this is what this what this is what love means in this instance a charitable rather than a profit making purpose it's not what the object of love desires but what the one giving the love knows that the recipient needs okay so that's that's critical to understand that it's not what You desire, it's what you need, what we need. John 3.16 is a very good example of that. It says that Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Yahweh loved the world, right? He agape the world. But the world needed something desperately. Not a big bank account not freedom from foreign slavery, not, none of those things. He needed a savior. And so he gave the world what the world needed. He gave him a savior. <clears throat> and we read on, it, talks, it says, and let the, make sure, be sure that the wife respect her husband. Now, <laughs> I didn't write these these passages, okay? So just bear with me here. We're gonna get through this. The Greek word respect comes from the comes from the Greek word respect comes from the Greek word phobio. Where we get the word phobia. It means to put to flight, to terrify, and to frighten. Sorry, I didn't write it. I didn't even put the definition there, but that's just what it says. <clears throat> but let's get a perspective on, on what's, what's really going on here. So in Acts 10, 2, it says, Cornelius, he was a devout man and one who feared Yahweh. Mary, the mother of Yahshua, she says, and his mercy, talking about Yahweh's mercy, is upon every generation, upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. That's a direct quote from Psalm 103. So it is a reverential fear. It's not like I'm afraid to come out of the house or I'm afraid I'm going to get hit. Do you feel that way about our Heavenly Father? I don't think you do. Keith spoke about fear here a few weeks ago. That, yeah, whenever we had an encounter every every instance where somebody had an encounter with the heavenly father uh they were shaking in their boots you know it was a fearful experience but it was out of reverence is what it was for so the concept of love in our culture has been very misunderstood and so i want to spend a little bit of time on this on this concept of love because we're overwhelmed with messages many 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 messages through song through movies through just just our culture in general that confuse the meaning of what love actually is love much of the time is associated with sex would you agree that love is associated with sex this is the message we get from our from our culture and that's because we have a strong desire for sex doesn't mean that love is part of the equation a rape victim would say, I don't feel very loved, even though there's sex involved. And even the man who would be doing the rape, he would say, it's not about, it's not about uh, love here, it's only about sex. So we don't want to confuse love with sex, even though love can include sex. Okay, is this, is this all making sense? <clears throat> You know, how many times in our culture you'll say, you'll, you'll hear songs or you hear somebody say, I love you, or I want to make love to you. You know, in the church, and even in the world, but even in the church, you know, when a guy says, I love you, what does he really mean? Sometimes he means, what can you do for me? How can you satisfy this desire that I have? So he'll use these words, love, because he knows that the woman, that's what she wants to hear. I am loved. So he'll use those words. Many times it's just a selfish response to see what we can get out of the relationship. Guys are really bad about this. When men are told to love their wives, I believe it's because this is not our first inclination. You ever think about that? It's not our first inclination to love our wives or to love anybody as far as that goes. Loving men is something that has to be groomed. We have to work at it more than the woman does. This is why you don't see, you don't see nowhere where it says, women love your husbands. Have you ever read that? You never read it nowhere. It never says women love your husbands. Because women inherently love their husbands. They inherently love and nurture. That's their nature. Here I am. Oh, Get back to the microphone here. I felt myself fading. Where is he at? Okay. Okay. Uh, so anyhow, it, it is inherent nature in women to love. That's the gift that Yahweh gave them. They're so good at it. But men, not so much. We have to work at it. We, it has to be groomed. You know, in Ephesians 6, 4, it says that there's a warning to fathers not to provoke your children to wrath. Is there ever a commandment for women not to provoke their children to wrath? Nope, it's not there because women typically, and I'm saying in general terms, rule of thumb, women typically don't do that. They, they provoke their children to, to good things. They're, they're, they're attentive. They're on top of the game. But men, sometimes we just, we're pretty rough. I've been a receiver of that and I've been one to, to dole it out myself. And as you get older, you think, golly, how dumb was that? So let's understand the words. Let's, let's go back. We're going to go back to verse 22 in the same chapter, Ephesians 5. We're going to jump back to 22. It says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the master. And here we go again. This is another key word we have to understand. The word subject means submit to put in place in an orderly fashion, dependent position. It kind of makes you upset, don't it? You know? But let's, let's let's go on. Yeshua in Luke five twenty, uh, Luke Luke two fifty one says Yahshua was subject to his parents. Is that a bad thing? A good thing. That's a good thing, isn't it? Titus three one it says we're to be submissive, submit to rulers and authorities. That's a good thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's a bad thing, but most of the time it's a good thing. Luke 10, 17 says the demons were subject to Yahshua's name. That's a good thing. If we go up one verse in in, in, uh, verse 21, it says that we're supposed to be subject to one another. You and I are subject to one another as to Yahweh. It's not all about me. It's about us. First Peter 3:1 it says, "Wives be submissive, chaste, and respectful behavior." In Colossians 3:18 it says, "Be subject as fitting in Yeshua." So our interpretation, when we hear these words sometimes, our interpretation is, is kind of skewed because of what we've been taught or how we tend to understand these words, since we're not reading out of the original text. So let's read down here in uh, Ephesians 5, 23. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Messiah also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But But as the church is subject to Messiah, so also wives ought to be subject, ought to be to their husbands in everything. But as the church is subject to Messiah, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything this is the order that Yahweh established. And there's a reason he he's, he's the, he's the one who made this puzzle to put this puzzle together. He knows how it fits. He knows how this puzzle works. And when we start pulling pieces out and, and trying to make something fit, we're going to have issues. It's not going to be pretty. Our puzzle's not going to come together like we want it to. This order doesn't, if we read here in, in 1 Corinthians eleven three, 3, it says, Messiah is the head of every man. And the man is the head of every woman. And Yahweh is the head of Messiah. That is an order. There is an order that we are to follow to make this thing work correctly. A lot of times, one or both, we get out of sync. We get out of that order. This order doesn't make the man inferior. It doesn't make the woman inferior. It is in an orderly fashion that Yahweh has set in place. The problem comes when we don't understand our roles. And we don't understand what our roles are. Let's read on down. Ephesians 5, starting with 25. It says, husbands, here it is again. Love your wives just as Messiah also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as, they, as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Messiah also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. I am speaking with reference to Messiah and the church. So this whole portion of scripture is really talking about Yeshua and his people. That's exactly what, in the Old Testament, you'll read where Yahweh says, I was a husband to them. I was a husband to them and they abandoned me. They did their own thing. Even though I was a husband to them, he gave them everything they needed and they, yet they abandoned him over and over and over again. And we haven't changed that much. We still do the same thing today. We're the same, we have the same desire, the same people. But Yahshua, what did he do? He served his followers. He served the world by giving all that he could give, he could possibly give. His bride, the church, his people, they are beautiful people. They're spotless. And he spent time and effort to cleanse them. Just like he did, you know, in his example with with, uh, the apostles right before the crucifixion. What did he do? Here we have the one who is fixing to be crucified for the sins of the whole world. King of kings. And then he's fixing to be crucified. What is he doing? He's picking up a towel and he's washing the disciples' feet. That is his hum- humility. That is how he's, he is speaking to us as men. This is, how, this is our example. To really understand our roles, we need to study the life of Yahshua. We need to really study his life and see the sacrifices that he laid out and understand he, where he came from and what he was doing to better understand our roles. It's the same relationship that Yahshua had to his people. You know, Yahshua didn't come with a serve me attitude. I'm the king of, I'm the, king of the world. He didn't come that way, did he? He came as a humble servant. He came to give what the people needed, not really what they wanted so much. They wanted a king. He said, it's not time for that. I'm going to give you what you need right now, a savior to cleanse them from their sins. You know, we read back here in verse 29 or 28, it says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as they love their bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Now, we may say that we don't love ourselves, but we would be lying if we said that. Because we do. We love ourselves. We love to take care of ourselves. You know, uh, you know whether it be whatever we do, we, we, it's, it's about us. We are basically inherently just greedy people, self-centered people. That is our nature. And so... He says, we ought to love our own wives as our own bodies. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as Messiah does the church, Yeshua nourishes and he cherishes his people, doesn't he? Because we are members of his body. We have become one. We are members of his body. So when your wife becomes member with your body, you are, you are one. You're, when you're nourishing her as well, aren't you? You think about it that way? Yahshua, we're one body, and he's nourishing the church. He's nourishing his people. We, we come together. It's not just me that I'm nourishing, but I'm nourishing my wife, my spouse. The servant attitude is what Yahshua taught his disciples. You know, in John 21, 17, Yahshua asked Peter, I says, Peter, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. If you say you love me, you feed my sheep. Tend to my lambs. How do you tend to a lamb? Kicking it around. And I've heard, I've never raised any lambs, but I've been told that lambs are born trying to die. It's, it's a lot of work to try to keep them alive. And so... Uh, this was a guy who, who raised sheep. <clears throat> so anyhow, but they tend to the lambs. As husbands, you know, this is our role, to tend to the lambs. Most of us don't have a problem with, I'm going to protect part, do we? we don't, that, or, or the macho, that's the macho part. That's kind of a, inherently built into us as well. What is lacking is our ability to love our wives our children, and people in general in the manner that Yahshua says that we are to love. So what do we do? We need to keep our eyes on Yahshua. So when you see and you suspect that you're over here and your wife is over here and you're not together and you're you're not apart, and most of the time, this reaction, this interaction we have is on this plane right here. This is the plane that we're on. We're trying to figure this out. We're fighting. We're back and forth, contention and whatever. We're on this plane. You know what we should be doing? We should be looking at the Heavenly Father. We should be looking at Yahshua for our answers. If the husband and wife are both looking at Yahshua, and we're this far apart, and the closer we get to Yahshua... The closer we get to Yahshua, what happens? The closer we get to one another. Yahshua is our focus. Really, you need to take your focus off your spouse, off your fellow man, and keep your eyes on Yahshua, what you should be doing. You you will get closer together. It will never fail, I promise you. But, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to motivate people to line up with our way of thinking. Have you ever spent time trying to motivate people to Sometimes it's your own children. Sometimes it's people you're working with, whatever. You're trying to motivate them to, to come to your way of thinking. You know, women, you cannot motivate a man to be more loving by showing contempt and respect. That will, never, that will never work. The need to be respected is inherent in men. It's an inherent need that we have. It's wired into us by Yahweh, just like love is wired into women. On the other hand, women will not respond intimately with a spouse that is harsh and shows hostility and anger. You think she's going to respond intimately? Probably not. Many times when when women don't feel they are loved, they respond by not showing respect, don't they? When you don't feel love, you respond. I don't care what they say. I'm not, you know, he don't deserve my respect. Now, the same goes for a husband. The same goes, you know, if he feels he's not getting the respect, he respond. Uh, I mean, he responds by not showing love. Uh, you know, Emerson uh, Eggerich calls this the crazy cycle, and it just keeps going and going and going. He calls it the crazy cycle. Now you can see that this is not going to correct itself. If we get on this cycle, it's going to keep going and going until we recognize that we're actually on it. I've, I've learned some things as I've gotten older. Not much, but a little bit. And one of the things that I've learned is self-awareness. These things that go in my head, just wrestling with, wrestling with. I need to be self-aware that, hey, that's Satan. That ain't, that ain't from the Heavenly Father. This is, he's, he's trying to pull me down. These are negative thoughts he's trying to pull me down so it has to be a self-awareness that we're on this cycle of craziness that we're not feeling love or respected emerson makes a good point in his teaching on this subject you know says sometimes you know i'll be more unloving to motivate you to be more respectful that'll help yeah that'll that'll really that'll go far if i'll be a little more unloving you'll be more respectful or I'll be more, I'll be disrespectful. And, and th- that way that'll encourage you to be more loving. <laughs> that's the crazy cycle. And I, I don't know if anybody's ever been on that or what, but anyhow, I'm just saying, that's the crazy cycle. But we're fearful. And this some of these things have really hit me. We're fearful that if we just do our part and we love and respect like the heavenly father wants us to do with no strings attached that we're going to be taken advantage of. Now think about that. Do you ever think, well, I'm just, I don't care how much a jerk he is or how disrespectful she is. I'm just going to do my part. I'm going, to, I'm going to continue. No, we think if I continue down this path, he's just going to continue down his path. Nothing's going to change and we're going to be in the same mess a year from now. That's not Yahweh's way. It's important that we understand this and get off the crazy cycle. We have to realize, men, that your wife is not your mama. She's not your slave. That you master over. Not someone who will pick up after you because you're a slob. Not someone that you can talk down to just to get your way. I want to read a scripture here. In 1 Peter, this was an addendum to my message. So it's written in pencil. I type the rest of it out, but uh, sometimes you have addendums. And I didn't want to reprint the whole thing. <clears throat> but 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. Understand this. He's telling you, live with your wives and understand this. As with the weaker vessel." Since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, your wife deserves honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Your wife deserves honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Think about that. Why is this? Why is, he, why is this warning? So your prayers won't be hindered. Now, you can do a lot of praying. A lot of praying for various different topics. But if your prayers are not getting answered, you need to research what's going on with you and your wife. It's very critical. We can be praying about our children or our work or sickness or whatever it may be. But if we got this contention on this plane with our family, with our wife, our prayers are gonna be hindered. So you gotta get this fixed first. You got to get this relationship fixed first. I'm not very good at it, but I'm just saying. I'm just reading it here. This is my toes are hurting right now. You know, that's where I wore these steel-toed boots. <clears throat> but anyhow, it's just you know, we have to get these things. It's just critical, and this is how Yahshua works. When you know, when we wound a woman at this level of intimacy, when she doesn't feel loved and that we're just, that they're just another tool or object that their husband uses, she will stop becoming, she will stop becoming love, uh, loving. And she will become resentful and disrespectful. Even though that's not really her nature, that's not really what she wants to do. As, as, a, as a rule of thumb, that is not what she wants to do. On the other hand, if men feel that their wife's not showing them much respect that he needs, he will usually respond by being unloving. That is, that's just how we respond. You know, when you hear the phrase, they were talking trash or they were talking smack. Who do you think of? In general terms, it's men. It's not women. Now, I'm not saying women can't talk some smack. But for for the most part, it's a guy thing. Okay. This type of talk for us is just posturing. This is, how, this is how important respect is for guys. This is just posturing to try to get some respect from our peers. You know, we're not going to follow through for beating your brains out. We're not going to do that. You know, we, but it's just words. It's just, it's just posturing to gain respect from your, from your peer. And we got to remember, besides being physically different, men and women see things differently. We don't even think alike. And there's been a lot of good comedy written on this very subject, but we don't even, we, we see things through different filters or different lenses, Emerson says, different lens, but we see it. We, we, we filter things differently than each other. And we will probably never really understand each one of those lenses to the, to its fullness. Swant it says back there is a mystery. Um, It's very it's 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 very important that we when we come to those times where we that we can't figure out what our spouse is thinking or or what we can't see their point of view that they're looking through a different filter. But it doesn't mean that our spouse is wrong in their interpretation. You know, I've heard that arguing with your spouse. It's like trying to read the terms of use on the internet, you know, where you have, you read the terms of use and there's like, like 15 pages of fine print and you gotta read through that very, you know. Eventually you just say, I agree, tick the box, I agree. You know, that's kinda of like arguing with your spouse sometimes, I agree. But our rational thinking is that if I'm right, then you must be wrong. Right? That's how, that's how we think. And, and that's true in, in a lot of instances. If I'm right, you have to be wrong, or one or the other. But sometimes that's not necessarily the case. It could mean that the other is different, that they see things from a different perspective, that maybe both of you are right, or maybe both of you are wrong, but you're seeing things from a different perspective. Maybe the way that, everybody learns differently, don't they? So some people can read a book And figure out whatever they need to figure out. Other people say, and I I can't I can't figure that out. You show me you show me one time and I've got it. They learn differently. They come to the same the same thing at the end, but they learn differently. And that's the same way as men and women. We, We we learn differently, we see things differently. We have to remember that the relationship is of utmost importance. More so than the issue at hand. Whatever the issue, and there will be many issues, I guarantee you, in a relationship. Not just with the spouse, but just people in general. There will be many issues. And the relationship is of the utmost importance. And so we cannot let the issue drive the wedge that separates the spouse. You cannot let that happen. You have to recognize what's going on. You have to see Yahshua beyond the shoulder of your spouse you got to see Yahshua beyond the shoulder of your neighbor just imagine you're in this argument or whatever this contentious scene and just imagine Yahshua standing just, just, just beyond your spouse that's how we have to look at it because he's there actually you may not be able to physically see him but he's actually there If we're loving and respecting our spouse, we are loving and respecting Yahshua. You know that? Colossians 3 24 says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for Yahshua and not for men, because you know that you will receive an inheritance from Yahshua as your reward. It is the Messiah you're serving. You're going to receive an inheritance as your reward because, in reality, even though I'm talking to people, wives, husbands, whatever, even though I'm talking and my interaction is there, I'm really serving Yahshua. The Bible says in, in Matthew, it says, When you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. The weaker vessel, maybe. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. That is what Yahshua is saying. I got this, a little bit of commentary, a couple, couple chapters here, not chapters, <laughs> paragraphs. Um, it's kind of weird how you get some of your information, but this is from an Anglican commentary. And so, but it was, I thought it, was, it really fit well, is really good. It says, when we love one another, we learn from each other and so grow in virtue together. A rightly ordered marriage, a rightly ordered family is marked by ethical leadership and reciprocity. But reciprocity is not the same thing as equality. If by equal, we mean that our differences don't exist or don't matter. Rather, our differences are the very engine of our spiritual growth. To love our neighbor, to love our wife, to love our husband is to love them in all their uniqueness And that it requires us that we do the hard work of of discovering how Yahweh has made them different from us. And how that the difference is a a gift by which Yahweh intends to draw us closer. With these things in mind, let us return to Paul's analogy. In marriage, the head is to love the other as Messiah loved the church. If you are the head of a family as I've described it, it is both good good news and bad news. It is good news because it means that the other is to love you just as the church loves Messiah. We use words like trust and fidelity to describe what kind of love. But it's challenging because it means that the way you are to love is to abandon yourself for the sake of the other who holds your hand, trusting in Yahweh's promise in and through you. The head goes to the cross for the body. Indeed, if you are the head, Paul says, your role is not to dominate but to cleanse and to wash and to edify, to nourish and to tenderly care for your beloved in such a way that they grow in grace as they grow in age, so that when the world looks at the two of you, at your family, your holy union points to Yahweh. True love knows this. True love celebrates difference. True love grows in wisdom. True love leads to families of character, and families of character lead to communities of character. Such love transforms us into the church, the body, the assembly. So let us practice true love. If you truly worship Yahweh, then be subject to one another out of reverence for Messiah. Those are pretty good words from the Angelican commentary, I would say. And so to sum it all up, it is is imperative, I think, that we understand, study the life of Yahshua. He is our prime example in this this matter. And you can even look into the Old Testament where he says, I was a husband to them. I gave them everything they needed. I I, I, I embraced them. We need to love and to respect our spouses, our fellow man, each other. And it's a hard task. It's not going to be easy. It takes work. Now, it's up to us do you want to put that work in or not? You know, life, I've, I've discovered it's, it's a fight all the way. <laughs> I, you, you have this concept that, you know, I'm going to get to this point and it's going to be easy. But that's not happening. It's a fight. If you want freedom, you've got to fight for it. If you want love, you've got to fight for it. If you want a, you want a healthy marriage, you've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for everything. So, just get used to it and don't just accept the task and get wore down in the battle. You got to fight for it. And it's worth fighting for. May Yah bless.